0: So you, you are called to lead. You. And I really do mean you. You're going to do great things. Incredible things. Things that seem small, maybe, and that will have massive impact. Things that seem too massive, actually to the point that they actually seem impossible if you could really see them right now. You will do incredible things. And this is not like a general sermon you. I mean you, Summer Shockley. And I mean you, Austin Adams. And I mean you, Rita. And I mean you, Sam Parker, wherever you are. And I would name each and every one of you right now. So consider yourselves named. And that might be the kind of thing where you think, well, that, that doesn't really sound like me. That's, I'm, I'm, that sounds like somebody else that I know, or that sounds like my spouse, or sounds like a friend of mine, or somebody else in this room or in another room. Somewhere else. I'm just kind of an ordinary person. I have an ordinary job. I live an ordinary life. You might be surprised to find out that most of the people that God calls in the Bible are ordinary people, sometimes less impressive than ordinary, actually, and God uses them, uh, despite that, for extraordinary things. And these people, they're just, well, in the moment that God shows up, they choose to be strong and courageous and to follow him. Be strong and courageous. And you will do incredible things. And you will see God do incredible things. You will go into neighborhoods that are hopeless and workplaces that are hopeless. And you'll witness to the hope of the world. You'll go into boardrooms and you'll talk about spreadsheets and you'll find yourself talking about Jesus somehow along the way. And it'll be weird, but it won't be that weird. You'll you'll be with friends and you'll take risks and you'll end up talking about Jesus. And you'll find that you have exactly the right words to say somehow in the midst of that. Just be strong and courageous. And you're going to do things that God cares about. God cares deeply about things like math and science and music and art. You're going to be the best scientist in your lab. You're going to be the best teacher at your school. The best police officer in your neighborhood. You'll be the best neighbor in your hood. You will be, well, you'll be the kind of people that follow Jesus in incredible ways if you can just be strong and courageous, you will lead people into God's promises and you will go yourself. You will start taking up all these things that God talks about. All these things that he offers to you in Scripture. All these things that maybe he's talked to you about. Dreams along the way. You will walk into those and you will claim them and you will bring other people with you. And you will be amazed when you see what God does when you are strong and courageous. And it will not be easy, by the way, which I'm sure you probably have figured out, that it is not easy to do incredible things. It's not easy, actually, to follow Jesus along the way. You're going to go up against giants. Or you're going to come up against ridiculous, outrageous obstacles. You're going to cross raging rivers and terrible deserts. But you can do this if you trust in the Lord and you are strong and courageous. Even though we have an enemy that we know would do anything and everything to destroy God's kingdom, to wreak havoc on any one of us who would dare try to claim a square inch of earth in the name of Jesus. And he is far beyond us, absolutely stronger than we are, and yet he won't be able to stand against us, because God will be with us, and you will be strong and courageous. And when does this start? This starts right now. Not yesterday, don't worry about yesterday, don't worry about tomorrow. Right now, are you intimidated? Are you excited? Good, be strong and courageous. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 1. We're going to be hanging out with the book of Joshua for a little while. Joshua chapter 1, starting at verse 1. I love the rustling of pages, by the way. I've worked in far too many churches without the rustling of pages. It's just a good thing. Joshua chapter 1, starting at verse 1. This is the NRSV, if you care about what I'm reading. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now, proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them, the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea in the west, shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful." I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be strong and courageous. The the book of Joshua begins with death, uh, which is a weird way to start off a book. Death is sad and hard. A, to start off with the death of Moses is a really hard thing. And those of us who've walked through death, who've lost somebody, or who maybe are losing somebody right now, know how that feels. But death isn't always just somebody actually dying. Sometimes it's losing a relationship that was, I mean, that you were placing a lot of hope in, that you were planning a future on. And death is sometimes just missing out on a season in life that you've really enjoyed or, or watching that come to an end. That's sometimes just losing a place that you love deeply and dearly. Death is really hard. And when you feel it, it just makes you want to sit down in the dust and sort of lick your wounds for a while. But this is not a normal death. This is the death of Moses. These people love Moses. Maybe you don't know a lot about the Bible, but you've probably heard the name Moses somewhere along the way. The last four books of the Bible before this are basically about Moses and everything he did for God and everything he did for God's people. I don't know if you've ever seen interviews of... uh, people at the time Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, or people even now talking about that time in their lives, all the air just gets sucked out of the room. The entire African American community, and really anybody who believed in the Civil Rights Movement, anybody who believed in the dream of Dr. King, when he died, it was like the dream died with him. And there's just this collective depression and sorrow, and people don't know what to do. That's what it's like for the people of Israel. Moses has led these people out of slavery. Moses knew what to say. Moses knew what to do. Moses knew where to go. Moses did miracles. Moses talked to God face-to-face. Moses went up a mountain and came down with the Ten Commandments. People know about the Ten Commandments. That's a very big deal. And that guy's gone? Does that mean the presence of God is gone? That the leadership of God is gone? That the promises of God are gone? And for Joshua, this is even worse. He's not just losing the leader. He's losing a friend. Anywhere you hear the name of Joshua before this, it's always next to Moses' name. He was Moses' assistant, his right-hand man. He's loyal to Moses when nobody else is. He goes on special missions for Moses. Moses is like his older brother, his father, his boss, his pastor, everything all at once. And Moses is dead. Notice that our passage says it twice. Two verses, Moses is dead, Moses is dead, driving that point home. You feel this. It just feels like time to mourn, time to rest, time to sit, time to to take stock of your life, time to process what's going on. And God speaks into that and says, it's time to move. It's time to go. What a weird way to start this book. Moses is dead. Time to get going. It's going to be great. You're going to be strong and courageous. You're going to do incredible things. You are the new Moses. I cannot imagine a more terrifying sentence than God coming to you and saying, you're the new Moses. That is not, I do not want that job. I want someone else to have that job. That's going to be hard. That's going to be brutal. You're going to have to do so many amazing things. And Joshua knows that more than most people, that it is hard to lead in the world that we live in. It'll make you tired. There's a guy named Brian Stevenson that I really like. He wrote a book called Just Mercy which I highly recommend. He's a lawyer with the Southern, um, the Southern Poverty Law Center in kind of Alabama area. And he gave a TED Talk along the way. And uh, would you play that for me? Um, this is a
1: clip from it. ...lawyer meeting Rosa Parks. And Miss Parks used to come back to Montgomery every now and then, and she would get together with two of her dearest friends, these older women, Johnny Carr, who was the uh, organizer of the Montgomery Bus Boycott, amazing African-American woman, and Virginia Durr, a white woman, whose husband, Clifford Durr, I represented Dr. King and these women would get together and just talk. And every now and then Ms. Carr would call me and she'd say, Brian, uh, Ms. Parks is coming to town we're going to get together and talk, do you want to come over and listen? And I'd say, yes ma'am, I do. And she said, well, what are you going to do when you get here? I said, I'm going to listen. And I'd go over there and I would, I would just listen, it would be so energizing and so empowering. And one time I was over there listening to these women talk and after a couple of hours Ms. Parks turned to me and she said, now Brian. Tell me what the Equal Justice Initiative is. Tell me what you're trying to do. I began giving her my rap. I said, well, we're trying to challenge injustice. We're trying to help people who've been wrongly convicted. We're trying to confront bias and discrimination in the administration of criminal justice. We're trying to end life without parole sentences for children. We're trying to do something about the death penalty. We're trying to reduce the prison population. We're trying to end mass incarceration. I gave her my whole rap, and when I finished, she looked at me, and she said, mm, mm, mm. She said, that's going to make you tired, tired, tired. <laughs> and that's when Miss Carlene forward. she put her finger on my face and said, that's why you've got to be brave, brave, brave. I had the great privilege when I was a young lawyer Did meeting you Rosa Parks.
0: You've got to be brave, brave, brave. I want you to think about that moment, right? This is a, a young African-American lawyer talking to two women who fundamentally changed his own future who in some ways made it possible for him to be a lawyer. And they're talking to him and saying, I I mean, it's not going to be us. It's going to be you. And they know more than most that small things and big things will make you tired, tired, tired. So you're going to have to be brave, brave, brave. There's nobody else going to do it. Nobody else is going to lead this people. It's Joshua or nobody. And so you see him step into that role because God is calling him. What might God be calling you too? I think a lot of the time when we look at the world that we live in, people look at people like Mother Teresa and they go, what an incredible human being. And she was. she's an incredible human being. But I think Mother Teresa would tell you that the truth is, she just saw that there was a problem in India. And there were all these people who were unloved and untouchable. She wanted to go talk to them about the love of Jesus. And she realized that if she didn't do it, nobody would do it. And so she fought for it, and it was not an easy thing to do. But that's how she ends up loving people in India and becoming the person we know as Mother Teresa, this incredible human being. The people at Create Academy, they started this school because they cared about poor kids in this area. They care about poor kids in this area, and they realize, if we don't teach these kids about art and music and ballroom dance and math and science, no one will teach these kids. If we don't do it, nobody will. And so they step up, and they stepped into that. I don't know about you, I'm getting really tired. I'm getting really tired of hearing people talk about how divided we are in the country and then not stepping into that and bringing unity and starting to draw people together. I'm getting really tired. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm getting tired of folks talking about racial inequality or income inequality or all the other inequality in the world, but really just talking about it as though recognizing a problem is the same thing as doing something about a problem. Is there something that's starting to drive you nuts in the world that we live in? Like, is there something at your job or in your neighborhood that just bugs you that somebody needs to do something about? Somebody needs to step up and somebody needs to take charge of? I got news for you. You might be that somebody. And that is no fun to realize. To realize that maybe the reason you are annoyed, maybe the reason you started to see that this is a real issue